Coming at you live from a post-Robin Williams era of animation where everything got a whole lot more annoying, it's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? Welcome to yet another episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic podcast where we dig through the animated past to find what cartoons made here in Canada are worth remembering. I'm your co-host Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host Sylvie Kittles. And it's time for another throwback episode to the 90s. Is it? Yes. Yes it is. Do you remember the pinnacle of television animation that was the 1990s? Um, I have, I want to say, two solid memories of the the 20th century. That's concerning, but go on. <laughs> uh, one was when I was three years old and we went to Disney World, and immediately uh, I was run over by our own stroller. In uh, we, We'd gotten to the Animal Kingdom, and I was walking ahead of the stroller, and I guess I stopped, and my mom didn't see that I had stopped, so she just ran into my foot, and I just face-planted onto the pavement, so our first stop at Animal Kingdom was to the first aid station. Okay, look. <laughs> this is gonna be a short episode. I'm trying to fill it out. Look, that absolutely sucks for you, <laughs> but also, if you were to see that happen today to another child... I would laugh my ass off. And you would put the blame on the child. I don't know if I would, because... Like, okay, it takes two to tango. Toddlers are unpredictable. Um, That's their problem. Yeah, my my second 20th century memory is New Year's Eve 1999 into the new millennium, because I was so insistent that I be woken up for, for midnight, and then no one fucking did. Betrayal. Mm-hmm. You, you entered the new millennium not trusting a single person in yeah. your family. Passed the fuck out on our basement floor. On the floor, too. Ugh. It was carpeted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. Uh, but specifically, I was speaking about the like renewed interest in cartoon animation on television and how it was all built out of these deliberate throwbacks to classic cartoons as in like the golden age of animation in the 50s yeah yeah i want to draw like a specific line for like today's episode to gerald mcboing boing there's that there's absolutely a lot of that but even the fact that the cartoon we're talking about today is broken into two 12-minute segments rather than a full episode, this was the era of that kind of throwback, bite-sized animations that that are it's heavily inspired by the Looney Tune Disney theatrical animation. Absolutely. Stuff like Animaniac, stuff like... Uh, Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons, The Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy Show, yeah. Redacted. Um... Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, all of this was 
there was this a renewed throwback kind of retro energy to animation and perhaps because that was my generation and I'm speaking from bias but it was the best I mean it was pretty damn good like there are there are a lot of shows from that era that are considered like are still considered classic and worth returning to and there's presently getting reboots because that's just the world we live in like animaniacs oh right that did (laughs) i forgot about that yeah i watched the first two episodes of that reboot thought it was okay never went back to it i never watched any of the reboot you're fine honestly you didn't miss anything i mean we're living in a world where we're so nostalgic for that era that they are actually going through with a ren and stimpy show reboot that's insane that should be... That, that's that's, that's not allowed. It's not. I don't care how much you scrub the original creator's name from that show. It's entwined in that DNA. You can't do it. Yeah. And who who actually cares that much about it? Yeah, no one is out here clamoring for, for more Ren and Stimpy content. They are, but they're not at all a majority. Ah. They're a very vocal minority, mostly relegated to Reddit. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, in this great tradition of 90s throwback retro animation, I guess we'll we'll call it, uh, we've got a lesser known one that is absolutely cut from the same cloth that's best left forgotten? Is that too strong? I've already... I don't know if it's best left forgotten, it's... It's not, like, bad enough to warrant that. It's just, like, inoffensively bland and kind of annoying. So my thing here is, where is the nostalgia for this show? It's gotta be out there. I'm... Yeah? Yeah, I guess so. There's there's always somebody who just, like, attached their whole personality to one terrible show that they watched as as a wee child. No, 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 that's that's a stupid idea. See, I attached my personality to a movie I watched as a child. Thank you, Freddy Got Fingered. Yep, yep. The damage that thing did to me. Anyway. It continues to do. Yeah, I apologize. To you and to the audience. Now, shall we? Let's. So, on today's podcast, we are taking a look at Ned's Newt, created by Andy Knight and Mike Burgess, and developed by the all-star television team of Andrew Nichols and Daryl Vickers. Uh, Andy Knight, you may have heard of before. He's the creator of future episodes on Cartoon Night in Canada, Pig City, Get Ed. Any ringing any bells? Absolutely not. Fantastic. And even directed a direct-to-video Beauty and the Beast sequel. Which one? I think the Christmas special. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I did I did have that one. So there you go. An, an auteur in your eyes, really. Yes, yes, a classic, really. And you might not know 
Nichols and Vickers, but they are definitely the big names of this uh, collection of creators and developers. They had a hell of a successful run writing for television for like five straight decades, creating several sitcoms, being the head writer of being the head writers of Johnny Carson's uh, late night show. Uh, yeah, and later in the 2000s, they settled nicely into writing a couple of episodes for every animated show on television. No good for them. Yeah, there, it, there's an interesting pedigree happening behind Ned's Newt's creation, but the show was a co-production between our stalwarts, our friends, our best buds at Nelvana. Our star-blowing bears. <laughs> <laughs> My my brain just immediately jumped to BoJack Horseman territory with that. Oh, so I don't think BoJack Horseman has, like, any bear main characters or any bears. Well, if they ever would have in- introduced one, they would absolutely be giving somebody a blowjob. Yeah, they'd have to. There you go. You know, make to make the, the Nelvana joke. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, for all the people watching BoJack Horseman who would get the joke related to an obscure Canadian animation <laughs> production house anyway there was also some input from vancouver-based studio production b but that was for season two only and newcomer to the show the germany production house tmo film gmbh uh you missed their name loonland oh no i did not miss it because i have a note here later renamed as tmo loonland film gmbh why does it why does this sound, their studio name sound like human growth hormone? TMO, GMB. It, it even looks like it too because the H is capitalized, but the MB isn't. Like, why does it sound like an experimental, like, estrogen drug that you would get because you can't afford to transition here in Canada? I was going to say testosterone. Testosterone. Okay, yeah, there we go. Those, yeah. This is a terrible name. <laughs> it's, it's not great. TMO Film GmbH, you know, creators of all your children's favorite shows. I think this is the only time that we're ever going to come across this studio. They they didn't secretly have a hand in Ubos. You got to stop bringing up Ubos. <laughs> I will when we stop running across German film companies. All right, that show was also German. Yeah. Huh. Well, anyway, um, the bit technically Canadian. Well, that's the best kind of Canadian, so... There we go. We did the bit. The show, it premiered on Teletoon, in Canada, obviously, between October of 1997 and December of 1999, lasting three seasons and 31 episodes. Fun bit of trivia. This was one of the first shows to ever air on that network. Really? Yeah. Uh, it aired, I believe, on October 18th, 1997. Teletoon launched October 17th, 1997. Wow. Well, there we go. This is the first brand association associated cartoon with the Teletoon Network. This is what they want you to think of when you think of Teletoon is Ned's Newt. That's a shame. Is it? Yeah. No? I don't know. I'm I very mean, ambivalent about I the don't, show. I don't want to think about this when I think about Teletoon. No, no. You want to think about Teen Titans Go. I want to think about Ed and Nettie. What are you talking about? I want to, talk, I want to think about Class of the Titans. Oh, more Teen Titans Go aired on Teletoon than either of those two shows combined. Yeah, but so? Yeah. Uh, For today's podcast, not knowing where to begin with this show and the many, many antics of its oversized Newt character, 
we randomly selected an episode. Was that via via spinner or like random number generator? It was a spinner because wheels it, are more fun. Yes, it was a spinner. You put all 39 ep- 31 episodes into a spinner and spun it. You keep saying 31. It's 36. It's 36. Yeah. Actually, wait, no. Wow, 30, look at that. My information's wrong. 39. I can't do Wow, math. your information's wrong, too. Oh. This is amazing. Yeah. We care so much about this show. <laughs> 39 episode titles went into the spinner, and we landed on episode two, Nightmare on Friendly Street slash A Snitch in Time, both directed by season one director Rick Marshall and written by series developers Nichols and Vickers. Sylvie. Yes. Obviously, television show, you weren't privy to it, but were you aware of Ned's new before I picked it for this episode. I was, because after it aired on Teletoon, uh, they did have reruns on YTV in the mid-2000s. Betrayal. Yeah. Turncoat. Those lines must never cross. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Teletoon, these colors don't bleed. <laughs> I guess I guess your your Teletoon blood would be red, white, and blue, huh? Because those are, those are like the, the logo colors. Ew, yeah, I guess. And I got, I get that, um, I get that, like, dark purple and toxic neon green. Yeah, the slime green that they used as their brand forever. Uh, congratulations. Our flags look disgusting. Yep, hideous. So you did see the show then as a kid? I don't know if I ever watched it, but I did see ads for it all the fucking time. Hey, it's a hot property. Yep. Hmm, so no nostalgic memories for Ned's Newt. None for me. Hmm. Uh, how about you? I think I did. I remember loving this at the time. Uh, I, this was one of my favorite shows to watch after school. Just throw on Ned's Nude and just be wowed by all the hijinks of this fast-talking blue thing. And now, watching it again today, I must have been a stupid child. I mean, weren't we all? Yes, by nature, being a child implies stupidity. But, man, was I shocked by how little I cared about this on <laughs> the revisit. Like, there was absolutely no, like, flashback, no Ratatouille-style flashback of you as a wee bear and sitting crisscross applesauce in front of your <laughs> TV screen. <laughs> lovingly adoringly looking up at newton the newt yeah yeah no i I didn't get immediately transported back to my parents living room glass of chocolate milk in my hand no none of that uh i was surprised by one how much i forgot about the show and two how how like how little nostalgia i have for it i was just watching it's like yeah i guess i remember this i that all these episodes kind of play out the same, and yep, that Newt is sure talking a lot. Yeah, he does not shut up, and I know that's by design, but oh boy. Yeah, I was just really disappointed that this didn't be. This isn't one of those gems where I'm glad to reclaim and bring to the light of 2023 and shove it down people's face and say, like, look, you missed out, man. <laughs> like, no, you didn't miss shit. This is... This isn't. This, this is isn't, just fine. This isn't gonna be one of the things that, like, every time someone goes like, "Oh, what? Canada made cartoons." This isn't gonna be one of the ones that you go, "Yes, 
Look at the greatness that we have wrought! You said it. We have Ed, Ed, and Eddie sitting right there. Yeah, we've got Ed, and, Ed, Ed, and Eddie and Martin Mystery. We don't need anything else. If you want to show off a chaotic, hijink-infused, weird cartoon to people, you don't pick this one up. But, anyway, what's it about? So, uh, Ned's Newt follows the antics of young Ned, Ned Flemkin. Flemkin. Uh, sure. A young boy who uh, wants to get a new pet, but all he can afford is this boring-ass newt. Um, so he, he buys this newt, but then goes back to the pet store and in like asking, is there any way that I can make this newt more interesting? And he's given a can of Zippo food. Pause right there. Yeah. Uh -huh. So this is our protagonist who buys a living thing and is dissatisfied and angry that it's not constantly entertaining him yes correct okay just making sure that you know we, we understand this character who views a living thing as a toy yes that is that okay is, go on that's how most of the children seem to view pets in this from from our sampling but i digress um so ned feeds his newt who he creatively names newton uh, some of the Zippo, Zippo food accidentally gives him too much, and hua! Newton transforms into this, like, six-foot-tall giant talking Newt who can shapeshift. Yeah, the this, this six-foot-tall shapeshifting impressionist with superpowers and an inability to shut its fucking mouth. Yep, so as long as he continues to eat Zippo food, he uh, will continue to be this talking Newt, but every time he after some arbitrary uh, time limit runs out, he turns back just into a normal, boring newt. Maybe because I'm an adult watching this. Mm -hmm. I'm not the child that this show was originally produced for. But after seeing what happens when you feed the newt this Zippo food, I would just never feed it again. Well, see, because Ned here... Again, like you said, he views this newt as his entertainment. He uh, continues to do so because, I mean, this seems like a deeply, profoundly lonely child. And this annoying talking newt is the only creature, this only sentient being who seems to like him. I wonder why. Yeah, maybe it's because he views uh, living things as his playthings. Yeah, maybe because the the second that he bought himself a friend, he was immediately mad that it wasn't different and helping him and, like, hanging out with him and being, you know, a living thing. Is Ned a sociopath? I, I'm just, yeah, probably, because I'm assuming <laughs> Ned does with all his friends. It's like they come over to play. It's like, hmm, you're not yeah. entertaining me right now. Yeah, you're boring. Why aren't... Why did why you come aren't... over here? Yeah. Like, th my thing is, after seeing the chicaneries of Newton... Like, Ned is thrilled, and I'm wondering, like, why? Well, yeah, because apparently, like, we didn't see it in these episodes, but the description I'm getting is that Newton always pulls some shit that gets Ned, Ned into trouble. Yeah, the, every episode is basically the same thing, where Ned is, like, tasked with doing something mundane and normal. Like, there's one where he confesses his love to a girl, one where he's doing track and field day at school, one where it's just like, hey, I'm doing chores, one where I'm doing grocery shopping. And for whatever reason, he can't do it alone, 
So he has to take his newt, jack him up on body-altering chemicals, mm -hmm. and then this newt proceeds to fuck everything up with his hijinks. Yeah, I, I don't know why Ned keeps feeding... I understand that, yes, he keeps doing it because we need to have a show. We have to have a show. We have... He has no reason to do it, though. He's got no reason to want to do it. Make real friends. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down right now and workshop a slightly better way this could have worked, even with this obnoxious character, mm -hmm. is it should have been something extremely mundane that will turn the, turn Newton into the talking asshole, and he just keeps seeking it out, rather than Ned choosing to feed him Zippo. <laughs> if it was out of his control. Exactly. If... Ned didn't want this, but it keeps happening, and it's just a burden because he's not going to, like, just flush that newt down the toilet. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to kill his pet. But with every transformation, there is just this begrudging going along with it because, well, it's going to run out eventually, and I just have to deal with it till it happens. Yeah, exactly. There's some conflict there. Exactly. But instead... What we got is, I wrote this out uh, into the show outline, because this is just what it felt like. This is the Calvin and Hobbes model with a heavy dose of Robin Williams' genie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did, uh, like, obviously I, I did get the genie. We we talked a lot at the top about how the, uh, the showrunners absolutely were, like, frantically trying to come up with pitches and then at some point, someone sat down and watched Aladdin, and like a light bulb went off over their head, and they were like, "Hey, we can totally do that." 1992, I believe, right? That's when Aladdin came out. Yes. So yeah, in the like in the early 90s, that decade before the second golden age of animation happened in the later 90s. Um, so it was rife to be ripped off, and wow, does Ned's Newt rip it off? Right down to the, we've got the blue, we've got the shape-shifting, and we've got the impressions. My god, the impressions. I'm. We're not kidding you when we say that this show is pretty much exclusively just Newton doing bits. Like, every other character and plot line is ancillary to Newton's many, many side-splitting impressions yeah i i want to say that like the first the first half of this episode has maybe two minutes of the actual story there's barely any story yeah it's ned is tasked with building a float for a friendship parade newton has a better idea the rest is bits it, it's just non-stop antics hijinks and jokes that really don't hit because we'll get it we'll we'll get into it when we talk about about the cast but here this is what i was going to surprise you with before we started recording and decided like let's wait for the episode proper okay i wrote down literally every referenced impression that newton does oh in God. these two episodes please okay okay i'm gonna sit back you rattle them off okay so within the first minute of the episode the first, like, episode, uh, Nightmare on Friendly Street, there are three impressions. Within 60 seconds, there are three impressions that he does. That's insane. So, here's just the list. There is a Patton reference, Groucho Marx, 
Mr. Rogers. I believe the one where he's on the uh, donkey, that's a Treasure of Sierra Madre reference. I have no choice but to believe you. And I think the one where he's the um, old-timey prospector when he's walking away from the float, I think that's a Rio Bravo reference. Okay. Because, you know, kids love Rio Bravo and Treasures of Sierra Madre references. Yeah, I I totally knew what those were in, in 1997. Yeah. And then moving on from that, we have a Jeopardy reference. Mm-hmm. A reference to Neil Armstrong landing on the mood, mm-hmm. an Ed Sullivan show reference that goes immediately into a Sean Connery from The Untouchables reference, mm-hmm. a- and then right after that, in the same scene, it ends on a Field of Dreams reference, moving into a Jerry Lewis, Sherlock Holmes, and then a double shot of Star Trek with Captain Kirk and Scotty on the bridge. That's just the first segment. And, That's the, and the first takes, episode. The the Star Trek reference I do wanna like take a pause to talk about because like he's just needlessly mean to the character of Scotty. Oh, that's not even the meanest re- uh impression he does. No, but it was just it stuck out to me as just like, wait, wait, is this just I don't know I don't know how scripted all of his bits are. I assume they are. Like, I assume they're extremely scripted. Yeah, like, which of, which of the writers just was a Star Trek fan who just actually fucking hates Scotty? I don't know. I, I It's so hard to tell because I, these jokes, these jokes in quotation marks, they're coming so rapid fire, right? Mm-hmm. Don't really have a time to think about them because, hey, there's another impression coming around the bend. And that this isn't even covering all of the just impressions that the character does. Like, sometimes he's hawking, he's like a commercial host hawking stuff. Sometimes it's just a Scottish accent. Sometimes it's just a random character that's not a reference to anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a bad joke. Yeah. Just a bad pun. So, for that first episode of this two segment, this uh, this episode is split into two different minisodes. Uh, We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. And that's just the ones that you wrote down. Recognize. Yeah. So that's 13 references in 13 minutes. Now, the second episode, it's a little conservative because there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wow. So we, we begin with, I believe, a reference to The Hustler. Uh-huh. Kids love that film from 1961. Yeah, naturally. Then we have an Indiana Jones reference. Yep. A Snow White reference. A fucking Shawshank Redemption reference. Yep, yep, caught that one. Peter Pan. Escape from Alcatraz. The Wild One starring Marlon Brando, which is just a shot at Marlon Brando's weight. Yep. God. I mean, that's... It's it's the 90s. That's the only joke you can make about Marlon Brando, apparently. For the kids who are gonna get, one, this Wild One reference, and two understand who marlon brando is i mean i assume a lot of kids would know who marlon brando is because they would have like a grandma who thought he was hot why is this horny grandma talking to the kids about her old flames grandmas are like that i don't know what to tell you dog man i guess so but that one is the most egregious because it's not even a joke it's not even a reference he's just in the wild one outfit does a a terrible Brando impression, and just said, I plan on getting fatter. 
Yeah, that's that's the joke, kids. Where did that one come from? And finally, of course, we end with a Casablanca reference. As you do. Which, a thought occurred to me when I saw that. It's like, there's a whole generation of kids who have seen that scene from Casablanca parodied endlessly in the cartoons of their youth, but have no frame of reference for what the fuck Casablanca is. Yeah, probably. I mean, same with, like, um... Like, I want to say between, like, Casablanca and, uh, Gone with the Wind. Yes, yes. They've both got, like, these endlessly parodied endings that just have a life of their own outside of any memory of the original film. Completely divorced from their source material. It's really weird how there's like a handful of films that have that kind of reputation yeah okay those two i mean i'm gonna i might be biased titanic absolutely has a life outside of its own oh yeah uh the the bridge scene yeah that's the yeah the uh, king of the world everyone knows that mm-hmm. king of the world or like the the, the quote-unquote door i don't i don't think anyone's parodying the door well i mean everyone's referencing it all the fucking... It's not a door, is I, I know this is a sore spot for you. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not gonna go into it. I, I can hear you, like, I am shuffling in your seat. I am holding back. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a lot of that. A lot of these references, a lot of these impressions, a lot of these bits in Ned's Newt. And that's, like, 98% of the show. Yeah. At least. This is why it doesn't hold up. Yeah, because, like... I think, okay, so I'm going to say, because this is obviously, like, a genie knockoff, the the difference is that the genie has other characters to balance him out, and also he has moments of genuine sincerity. Ned, Aladdin, he is not. No, he's, he's a piece of cardboard that uh, Newton is just bouncing all his material off of. Exactly. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't want, like, a narrative foil. He wants an, a captive audience. He wants a soundboard. Exactly. <laughs> it's a Newton soundboard, yeah. Yeah. It's a one-man show that, in front of an audience of one silent child. I just looked it up. Aladdin is 90 minutes flat. Yeah. Perfect movie length. Yeah. What's interesting about that film, perfect length, mm-hmm. Genie is not in all 90 minutes of it. Crazy, I know. Because, as you said, he's not the main character. Yeah. Because so, the genie shouldn't be the main character. No. So whatever you feel about, say, Robin Williams' stand-up, his hyperactive, uh, rapid-fire comedy that leaps between one-liner to impression to weird non-sequitur, whatever you think about that, there's not 90 flat minutes of it in Aladdin. And so that's why I would assume that... It has aged pretty well. I mean, last time I watched it, yeah. The, it's still said, a solid there, movie. There are things, as you said, to balance it out. Yeah, there, It's not it's completely not just, covering the plate. Yeah, and even, like, just within the character of the genie, it's not just bit after bit after bit. Sometimes he takes a break, and he just, like, has a genuine heart-to-heart. Here, there is no filter. There Newton, is no break. Newton doesn't have a soul. I think we can agree on that. No, there is no emotional core to this Newt. It I is... want to know where the fuck this Newt is uh, watching all of these old movies and TV shows. 
See, we don't have to ask that question with Genie because magical being doesn't matter. Yeah. He always has existed. I assume he travels through time and space. He he's allowed to know who Groucho Marx is in the mid 14th century. Why does this newt who for all we know lived its entire how long does a newt live? Like 5 years? Look at that. Like, however long the Newt's very short lifespan is, spent most of its time in a pet store window waiting to be bought, where exactly did it watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Casablanca, The Wild One, all of these films before 1960? Okay, I've got, uh, the Eastern Newt lives about 12 to 15 years. Not enough time to pick up all these references. No. And also have all the, like, time to do all the bullshit that Newton pulls off. This show is mind-numbing. Yeah. It's too much. It is just too many bits. I will I will say, moving into our favorite segment, why it looked like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Animation's great. Yeah. I mean, jeez, it would have to be. With the amount of transformations that, the spe- specifically the character animation on Newton, fantastic. No yeah. notes. It's great. Yeah. 10 out of 10. You, the, the visual. If, if the jokes were better... I'm sure I would actually be having a good time. Yeah, probably. Like, it's pretty pleasant to look at. Um, you were mentioning, like, a Gerald McBoing Boing kind of connection. Uh, There's a yeah. little bit of UPA minimalism happening in this show. Yeah, especially in, like, the... I mean, in both character design and backgrounds. And color palette, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good-looking show. Yeah, like, there's no complaints on that front. It's just when you have to listen to it, too. Yeah, even, like, because right now I've got it just playing in the background on mute. And, like, yeah, this is this is a good time. Good time. Yeah, and it's actually, like, decently paced in terms of the animation. Like, it's really expressive and experimental at times. And not even just highlighting the character animation on Newton it's himself. It has a great flow to it. Like, it, it's really pleasant to look at. There's no hitching. There's no... Uh, very obvious corners being cut. It's mm-hmm. just very smooth. I will also say, I fucking love Newton's, like, just OG Newt design. The splat? I love this little splat of a of a character. <laughs> it's so, That's peak character design right there. It's so fucking cute. Like, why would you ever want him to transform into this bumbling seven-foot monster when you just have that, that stain? You've just that got... cute little stain. You've just got... A little that's peak little guy behavior like <laughs> he's just he's just napping on a rock living his best life yeah like why why would you want to change that newt why just, would you burden him with the knowledge of existence i'm also gonna uh super blame ned for like being bored by this character or like by his original newt because like you bought him a shitty enclosure, too. He's in, like, this teeny tiny fishbowl with a single rock and a bit of water. Like, where's his enrichment? Where's anything? Yeah. Like, get him some greenery in there, you weirdo. No, no, the, it's not his job to entertain the newt. The newt has to entertain him. You're right, I forgot about that. Yeah, Ned is a sociopath. <laughs> if he took the... If he took the newt back to the pet store and the pet store owner said, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do to, like, make him funner. I don't know what you mean. It's it's a pet. It's, yeah. it's a living thing. It's going to do what it wants. He would have t- went home and, like, 
took it out the magnifying glass and burned the nude alive. No. Not the little splat. Hey, hey, it's the newt's fault. He's not being fun. He took he took this bowl back to the pet store and said, Hey, it's not doing Groucho and Marx impressions. What the fuck? <laughs> I paid for an impressionist. But I only have, like, 15 cents. Yeah, I learned how money works, you stupid idiot. Is there any point to talk about the two episodes? Not really. There's, like, the friendship float, uh, get, get big, and drives into a lake. The end. Great. Yeah. A snitch in time. Uh, Ned's shitty tattletale cousin comes over, and uh, as punishment for being a smarmy asshole, he gets psychologically tortured by Ned and Newton. Like his receipt is him and his cat. Trauma. The cat, and his cat. The cat doesn't do anything. Like he plays up like, oh, is the cat. The cat ate my last pet. Which then had its stomach pumped so that they could get the goldfish out. And the goldfish lived. But no, the, the cat gets wrapped up in Renfrew's fucking night of psychological torment. Oh yeah, God forbid a pet acts like a pet, Ned. Well, you know, it's, it's really the cat's fault for being more interesting than the newt. Yeah, it's just jealousy. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, so for what... For what happens in these two episodes, I have two sentences. Uh, Nightmare on Friendly Street. Ned builds a float for the Friendly Day Parade. Newton fucks it all up. Yeah. Uh, snitch in time. Ned's tattletale cousin comes to visit, gets Ned in trouble. Newton fucks him all up and permanently traumatizes him. Yeah. The end. That's the, that's both the episode. The, I the also, formula... just back yeah. to like character design, this fucking pear-shaped cat is so good, I love too. Him. I love him. Did the I cat love... have a name? I didn't pick it up. Um, it, it's, um, oh shoot, it's, oh god, it was it something. It like Babble or something? It's something stupid. It's like, bunk. Bunk. <laughs> it's something like that. I know it's a single syllable word and starts with a B. One sec, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna try and find it. Yeah, character design, it's a plus for this show. I even like Newton's large, six foot, bulbous, human, like, humanoid form. I think it's pretty neat. Um... With a snitch in time, the second segment of these two episodes, the formula of Ned's Newt becomes really apparent, even though it's, this is only the second episode, where yeah. it's just, we're letting the character just just go off. Do some bits. Bundle. Bundle. That's a great cat name. That's a good, such a good cat name. I could see like someone having their TikTok famous cat named Bundle. Yeah, it does sound like a social media cat. Yeah. Like, and Bundle would be best friends with Fishtover. Yeah, he would. But, yeah, like, there's no there's no plot to either of these episodes. No, it's just, like, a loose idea of something to set up bits that aren't really related. Like, none of, none of Newton's bits are at all even tangentially related to what's going on. No, he's just riffing. Yeah. He's just doing it. It's awful. <laughs> it's not fun. That's super fun. There's a moment in the second episode when Newton gets his Zippo food and becomes the monstrosity that Ned loves mm -hmm. and breaks into the guest room that Ned is being locked up in because his parents trust the cousin more than him. Yeah, Abusive that's household. Classic, classic golden child behavior. 
Exactly. And then there's just this digression of impressions and bits that goes literally nowhere because they end up it, it's just an entire fantasy sequence basically because it begins with the Shawshank Redemption bit and moves through that into several other references Peter Pan, The Wild One uh, Casablanca they go to a deserted island for some reason and then they just wind up back in the room because it was all a fantasy sequence yeah because he can't escape or else Renfrew will tattle so that was completely pointless yep all the, all the bits are pointless they're not even funny they're, they're just references just like, for, the, I, for the sake of references I wasn't laughing when in a terrible Ed Sullivan impression, he said, really big float. I don't even know what that would be riffing on. During his monologue, Ed Sullivan would always say, we had a really big show for you guys tonight. Really big show. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of a famous line, I guess. Sure. Uh, apparently, uh, seven-year-olds were going to get it back in 1997. Yeah, and like, it's not even, it's not even like they're writing for the parents who are watching, because this this is not the kind of show that I could ever see a parent sitting down to watch. No, absolutely not. With Aladdin, it makes sense because you have to take your kid to the theater to see it. Yeah, you have to physically take your kid to the theater so you're not going to abandon your child alone in a movie theater. But for, like, a TV show, you're going to be in the kitchen, like, just making up a snack. You're not worried about making sure your child is still sitting in the living room. You're slaving over a pot of craft dinner to feed your ingrateful child. Ingrateful? Sorry, ungrateful. <laughs> Combining ungrateful and ingrate? Yeah, why not? Hmm. I'll be a trailblazer with bad words. Yeah, there we go. There we are. Uh, anything left to say before we get into the cast? Um, this baby photo of Ned in the guest bedroom is horrifying. Yeah. Weird touch, because it extends to the... Shawshank Redemption reference. Yeah, like why? Why are you making the baby photo of your child sexy? <laughs> like he's he is posed like ass in the air, no diaper even. Like that that baby's fucking naked. That's weird. Why is that in the guest room? Why is that in your guest room? I have so many questions for for the Flemkins. Why don't you ever clean your guest room? There, why are are there spiders rats? and rats hanging yeah. out. Why the fuck don't you clean your guest room? Especially when they had a guest coming over. Why do you lock yeah. your child in the guest room instead of his own room? So the other thing about that is, so you believe the cousin when they say, oh, Ned broke the garage by throwing a baseball at it. Yeah, and then like you see how much damage was done, and you're like, yeah, my nine-year-old could do that. Yeah, you believe that. But when the, but when the cousin says, like, Oh, he came at me with a ch chainsaw made of chocolate. You're like, well, somebody's lying here. Yeah. God, that's the other half of that episode is they just fucking gaslight him. Oh, he's ruined. Yeah. No, that, that kid is going to be like shunted off to some sort of mental facility. And it's the 90s. They're not good. No. I mean, it's 2023. They're, They're still not, not good. Right now. <laughs> Let's be real. There's a crisis happening with that strain of treatment. Still bad. Still, still bad. Yeah, so... Well, that, that's, that's Ned's Newt. Let's talk a bit about the cast. 
Let's. Uh, we'll start off. We'll start off with the really, really big one. Um, the star. Newton. Newton the Newt himself. Harland Williams, of of um, sorority boys fame. Sorority boys fame. <laughs> I just found out that movie existed today. Yeah, I saw your tweet. No, the funny thing is, immediately after I tweeted that, uh, Dan responded to it, a friend of the show, both of our friend Dan, um, and said, like, you know that's actually quite a progressive, like, transgender film? Really? There are people, there are, like, uh, trans critics today that have, like, attempted to reclaim it, saying, like, it's actually pretty progressive. Well, good for them. Weird, I know. Um, Harlan Williams, who both of us did not realize was Canadian... I don't think I even knew his name. Like, I recognize he... that face, but... Yeah. I don't think I could have told you his name if you asked. If you had a gun to my head. No. I, no. I, yeah. Kind of forgettable, because he's not, like, a star star. He has a lot of great, like, side character bits in a lot of movies. Uh, famously, like, Dumb and Dumber, Half-Baked. Um, uh, most importantly for you, Freddy, Freddy Got Fingered. Got like, a fun comedic presence to have around. I haven't seen any of his stand-up. But let's talk about the problem here. He uh, is not as good at being Robin Williams as Robin Williams was. It's so unfair to task somebody with replicating the comedic style of Robin Williams, which was, who was a comedian of one. Yeah. There were a few that kind of did that rapid-fire free association kind of comedy that was just saturated with jokes and speed and craziness. And it's it's so funny how, like, Hollywood has spent so long trying to recapture the genie that I, do, I don't understand why, because, like, no one has ever done it well. No. There's, there's, it's, it's kind of like lightning in a bottle, like, Robin Williams was was the only person who could be funny doing that. It, it was literally just a, like, the genie character was just, a, like, a transposition of his stand-up routine. Yeah, well, I mean, the character was specifically designed to be played by Williams. And I guess everyone just took the wrong lesson from that. It's like, oh, sure, rapid-fire comedy we, with a lot of impressions thrown in. We can do that. Harlan Williams can do that. Yeah, it is, totally. Poor guy. He had, like no chance i mean the material is poorly written and you're trying to emulate a performing style that was singular to one actor comedian yeah it was it was doomed to fail yeah he's he's doing his best but his best is a lot of bad impressions these aren't good impressions either yeah and i don't think i don't think that this is like his stand-up style at all either no he's really soft-spoken actually yeah, so why? So why? I don't know. <laughs> why do this fucking genie character and be like, yeah, Harlan, you can do this, right? Because it was popular. That's, yeah. Like, the kids love the genie character, so we'll make another genie character for our Newt show. That's what, that's what we were missing. Yeah, so all respect to you, Williams. You get work, you're fine. And this is actually kind of a another fun throwback to that time where it's like, Oh yeah, a famous stand-up comedian. Obviously, he'd have a cartoon or a film made about his stand-up routine, right? Or like be the starring role in something. I'm thinking like this, um, Bobby's World, which was Howie Mandel's cartoon. Okay. Uh, I'm also thinking of 
that film Baby's Kids, which is based off another stand-up's routine. Yeah. Like, th- this was just a thing in the 90s where, like, they were looking for any inspiration for TV shows and movies. Like, yeah, a stand-up. Like, they hold your attention for, like, an hour-long set. Why can't they do a cartoon? Yeah, that's that's basically the same thing, right? Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Rover Dangerfield. Yeah. Yeah, the 90s had stand-up and the uh, 2000s had... What if we put a strong man with children? I love those movies. <laughs> I don't love those movies. I love that they exist because they mostly have wrestlers in them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to see Batista hang out with like a six-year-old girl. Why not? Why the fuck not? Com- comedic genius right there. Uh, who else on this cast? Uh, so the other half of our, of our dynamic duo as Ned is Tracy Moore. Returning character? to recur returning actress to the show uh technically yeah like she she did some some bit parts in uh in Anne of green gables and redwall uh but not in the episodes we saw no um she's most well known for her time as uh share bear in in the care bears what does he do he shares oh Oh, wait, I, I think you're mistaken, because they are also the voice of Marcus on Flying Rhino Junior High. Oh, well, there you go. Yep. That's... That's why That's, that's why she's familiar. What do you think of the performance? Can Did you get any of the <sighs> performance between the many, many Harlan Williams bits? I mean, yeah, probably, but, like, he's such a nothing character that he's just there. He's politely smothered out by Newton. Like, this is the Newton show, and... Ned's just kind of long for the ride. Yeah, like, yeah, his name is is half of the title, but he's not, like, actually the main character. No, the show is called Ned's Newt. Yeah, he's Ned's just, there. Yeah, he's just there the to be the owner of the Newt. That's like when, when your your sibling's friends call you, like, so-and-so's little, little sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for Tracy Moore. I mean, I don't. She gets work. She's she's doing fine. No, oh, yeah, definitely. But it's like, you have a starring role on the show, and you're just playing second banana to the big shot comedian who's <laughs> blown in from Los Angeles by she's, way of Toronto. She's just there for a fucking paycheck. She's not. You don't think that she treated being on the ground floor of Teletoon as like some huge stepping stone for her career? I don't think it would be. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mistaken. <laughs> um, and then I also pulled uh, the the cast of Ned's parents because they're they're kind of there, uh, and I really like Peter Kelligan's performance as as the father. I love this dad character. <laughs> I love this we- like hyper Canadian accented man. This is probably the first time in any show that we've covered thus far in our like seventy four episodes where a is actually in the script. Yeah, eh? Man, the like, the accent is strong on this one. Like, this this dad is from northern Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's such a good performance. Yeah, it's just constantly over it dad who has no time for his son's many hijinks that he assumes are his son's many hijinks. Yeah, because he doesn't know about the fucking newt. What would be his, like, Big role outside of Ned's Newt. Um. What a thing to say. 
Well, I'd say, like, his most iconic would be uh, that the fact that he was in Ginger Snaps. Canadian horror film classic. Yeah, so, I mean, he's basically royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also a friend, friend of the show. He's in Ruby Gloom as Scaredy Bat. So this is, this oh, okay, now that you say that. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing the voice comparison. Yeah, uh, this is a better performance, I'd say. Yes. But I'm, I'm looking a little bit through his IMDb. We are going to encounter this guy plenty of times. Yes, yes, he will be back. Uh, well, he's done, he's, I see he's done a lot of live action stuff. Um, Tons. I mean, he was on the Red Green show. So also, he's, he's just Canadian television royalty. You okay, do, but which do, of the two is it? You do the Red, it's, what do you think? I never know. I always get this question wrong. It's Murdoch, baby. Okay, it's Murdoch. As a recurring role. It's like, Ooh. yeah. Syndication money. Right. Completely uh, a different tangent because, like, we're rounding out this uh, discussion of the cast. Have we ever had someone on a cast for a show we covered that has been on both? No. Really? I've n at least none that I've caught. Is that not allowed? Is that like an unspoken rule in the Canadian television industry? <laughs> you, you can't do, do Murdoch, both. You can't do Da Vinci's Inquest. Weird. Maybe, maybe we need to get in contact with some of these voice actors and actually ask them. Weird, wild stuff. Yeah, I'd love to know because like, I've not hilariously I've not seen the second of either of their shows, but nope. I'm fascinated by them. Actually, that's not true. I have seen Murdoch Mystery. I think just because it, I want to say it comes on after the Waltons. Which is, that's, that's my mother's, like, evening go-to. She watches the Waltons almost religiously, and I want to say that Murdoch Mystery comes on after the Waltons. Hmm. Neat. That sounds about right. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a perfect slot for it. Yeah. I don't even know what that show's about. <laughs> the Waltons? No, the Murdoch Mystery. Oh, okay. I assume mur mysteries. And there's a yeah. guy named Murdoch who's solving them. And, like, Da Vinci's Inquest, it's about Leonardo Da Vinci going on adventures? Yeah, sure, that sounds safe. Cool. Who's the other parent? Uh, as the mom, we got Carolyn Scott. Uh, she's she's done a bunch of stuff, but um, I I really wanted to highlight. She was in a Trump unauthorized documentary in two thousand and five. Pardon? There's a there's a documentary in two thousand and five called Trump unauthorized. What? What is this? I have no idea. Oh, it's a TV movie biopic. Oh, ew. In 2005. Yeah, so like that would have been right when The Apprentice was on the air. Oh, wait a minute. Is is he playing one of the wives? Is she playing one of the wives? I could see her doing that. No, she's not. She's playing somebody named Liz. Mm. Man, that's that's unfortunate. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it was just a weird thing that popped up in her in her uh, list. I was like, oh no, oh no, I have to call her out for that. Man, sometimes you don't need the check. <sighs> sometimes you don't, yeah. I mean, well, actually, now knowing what we know about um, the Screen Actors Guild and how little they get paid. <laughs> yeah, maybe she You might need the check. You might, you might need it. You know what, we're not going to hold that against you. Yeah. I don't know how much better or worse Canada's actor, like acting union guild deals are. I'm assuming not great. I assume they can't be better, given given how much like 
like people film or do work in Canada because it's cheaper. Well, as we just established, there are only two shows <laughs> that you can apply for. Yeah, and you can only apply to one of them. Yeah. Or you can be an extra in Hannibal. Or Riverdale. Yeah. Which way, Canadian actor? <laughs> or you just give up and try your try your to shoot your shot in L.A. Or you can luck out and get something recurring on Letterkenny. There's always that. Did the mother have any lines in these two episodes? No, she has like one line in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, she she's just pissed at Ned for his uh, over-the-top float. Yeah, and I think she momentarily speaks to the town founder, Hiram Friendly. Yes. She like kind of leans over and goes, oh, it's an honor to be here. And then he doesn't really acknowledge her. No, she, he acknowledges her and asks her to chew his peanuts for oh, him. that's right. I blocked out that line. Because we, we just needed another non-sequitur joke. Yeah. Got. So I wrote this line down because I just think, think it's emblematic of how little care went into the joke crafting of this show. Mm-hmm. Because it's... It's during that one sequence where they're gaslighting poor Renfrew by putting on a magic show. And Newton, as this TV host, mm-hmm. says, like, listen, I love you, I love you, R- straight from the bottom of this poorly painted duck. Yeah, what the fuck is that? I don't get it. Is it... It's, it's a bit too early for the, like, LOL XD so random. But that's what it is. That's what Unless it's some, it's some weirdly specific reference that neither of us recognized. I mean, maybe? Is this another, like... Is this, like, a reference to a television game show from the 1960s? Maybe it's, like, a Chris Angel mind freak. No, that's... This also predates that. Predates that. Fuck! I don't know what it is. From the bottom of this poorly painted duck. I mean, whatever. Whatever, I, Newton. I, yeah, I got nothing. Because we're we're both, we both believe that the this isn't. This is an improv. This is all. It's gotta be carefully scripted. written down. There's no way. Because Harlan Williams, I'm sure, is a decent improv actor, but can't do the type of manic, uh, free association that Robin Williams did. And there was no way they were gonna let you into the booth and just like, oh yeah, sure, we can build an entire episode out of. Your bits. Well, yeah, because it's not like it's not like they had the Disney bucks of because what Williams did for that was just he would just spend hours in a booth and then they just took the best riffs. Like they didn't they don't have time or money to do that for every episode. And Harlan Williams is not a riffer. No. He's a he's an observational comedian. It has to be scripted, and that just kind of makes it even weaker. <laughs> It just, that line specifically just stuck out to me as like, what? What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. This. Whatever. Man, like, whatever, Newt. <laughs> I mean, that's, that feels like that's the, the take from the show is just whatever. Yeah. Um, any clothing, any closing thoughts on Ned's Newt? Love the splat. You love the splat. Should have just left him as a little guy. Yeah, you should have. You should have let them keep their animality. Yeah. Uh, let your your pets do not exist to entertain you. No, you take care of them, man. 
You are you are their guardian. Yeah, um I like the color palette. I like the animation. I hate every spoken word of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Hey, great show to watch on mute. Yep. Thumbs up. <laughs> Visuals uh, ten. Uh, final final verdict on Ned's Newt. I miss Robin Williams. I miss Robin Williams, too. If you ever needed any proof that he was a one-of-a-kind talent, look at Ned's Newt. Yeah, well, just look at anyone trying desperately to be him, and it'll just look make at, you go, what a guy. He was great. Look at Dan Castellaneta. Yep. You tried, sir. So I guess that's going to do it for this latest episode of Cartoon Night in Canada. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard and how could you not, please consider giving us a like, share, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts, because that helps us reach the widest possible audience. You can find the show on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod, where we post new episodes every Saturday. Except when we don't. Except when we don't. You can find myself on Twitter at CinemaCreep, where I will be giving my live reaction to Sorority Boys. I'll be live tweeting through the film at a predetermined time, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons, where uh, I'm I'm just grinding uh, rune crafting on RuneScape, so I'll, I'll probably update when I hit level 69. Oh, sorry, Sylvie, your, your audio <laughs> seemed to be coming from, like, 2011 for a second <laughs> what no that was straight from 2008 what are you talking about i don't know i never played runescape it's a good time it's a very good time i don't believe you have a good one everybody <laughs> bye